Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready to be energized and have some serious fun. This is the Energetic Education Podcast. Introducing your host, Dale Sidebottom. to episode 49 of the podcast and today we're talking about surviving to thriving with Nikki Bonus. Now Nikki is the CEO of Life Skills Group and that company has been dominating for 17 years going around to schools running amazing workshops and professional development for students, teachers and parents. Now I must admit, today I've been sitting here while I was listening to Nikki talk and I was in awe. Everything that she is doing, the way she speaks, her passion and the content that she delivered in our chat today is absolutely amazing. So for teachers out there, you cannot afford to miss this episode. So 30 minutes of chatting, you are going to want to listen to this twice, three times because I know personally, I can't wait to listen to this again. Nikki is outstanding, amazing and so generous with her time. This is one that is going to blow your mind. Nikki, how are you today? I'm really great, Dale. And yourself? Yeah, really good. Now, thank you very much for giving up your time. I know how busy you are and um, some amazing things going on with uh, everything you're doing. For my listeners out there, can you just give us a little bit of a background and brief sort of intro about who you are and, and the amazing things that you are doing? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, Life Skills Group runs service-based programs for schools looking at well-being, emotional intelligence, self-regulation and mindfulness. Uh, our big mission is to empower not only the students but also provide professional learning for teachers and support for families to create a complete well-being program to help communities thrive. Um, on a very, very high level, that's kind of what we do. Uh, we're reaching about 60,000 children a week at the moment and we're just in the process. We've just been awarded the Accelerator Program from Telstra to look at how we can take that even further to support the needs of schools and communities globally. Wow. Now, that's uh, out of all my guests, that has just gone whack. And if, uh, <laughs> if my listeners out there aren't going, wow, I want to hear more, I don't know what's wrong with them now. Um, just take a step back before we get into that. How long has how long has Life Skills Group been going around? And because um, obviously touching sixty thousand students a week is epic. That is outrageous. It, it doesn't just happen overnight. How long has it taken you to get uh, to where you are at the moment? That's a really good question. Uh, Seventeen years. Yep. I was going to say <laughs> that. <don't... laughs> I think that um, you just made me smile, actually. I was thinking about my dad um, and my father always said to me, there's a lot of work in an overnight success. And uh, I think, you know, how do you, when you look at the numbers that we're doing and the data that we're getting and the impact that we're having, um, it's been a very, very long, very long, very, very, very long process. Um, we probably picked up pace in the last five years. Uh, I spent a lot of time going over to San Francisco to be trained up by Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute, which is a, an offshoot of Google, um, looking at psychology, neuroscience and mindfulness and compassion training, um, working with some of the, the most incredible leaders in the field like Dan Siegel and Dr. Rick, um, Dr. Rick Hansen. From that point, we really gained momentum looking at how we can do things differently and engaging our communities and it's been amazing um, 
and here we are today. So yeah, it's it's been a long, it's been a very long journey. <laughs> That's and and as you said, things don't happen overnight. But um, from what I've seen of the amazing things you're doing, sixty thousand students a week. Now, for those sixty thousand students, what are you actually providing them with? Now, I know it's majority of it's online, but you do go into schools and things like that. Can you give a little snapshot to teachers out there, basically what their experience is? You know, those sixty thousand kids. What are you actually creating for them? <laughs> So, and that's a really good question, actually, Dale, because at the moment, none of it's online. At oh, the moment, sorry. No, no, that's my, and I'm, please forgive me, it was my communication issue. Um, at the moment, it's purely service-based. So, we have specialist trained teachers that we train in-house that go out and deliver programs over a six, eight, or ten-week program aligned to the ACARA um, framework as well as looking at so our classes are based on introduction of well-being mindfulness uh, positive psychology and physical education so they're mixed in together one of the things that we believe is that they don't need to be standalone that the languaging and the understanding for each of the stage-based outcomes should actually be brought into something that's play-based interactive getting kids to work together as teams um, taking out the winning and using each other as um, building relationships and social cohesion to understand, you know, I think this is a really good example of Timmy, stop being so angry. Um, and most of the time we don't get to teaching the how. Timmy, calm down. How? Timmy, you need to be, you know, nicer or kinder. How? So our classes teach that over a framework of six, eight or ten weeks, including the teacher's professional development as well and also linking back to families for letting them know what we're doing in the school at the time and providing ideas for them to do at home as a family as well. Fantastic. So you're not only upskilling the teachers so then they can go and conduct these lessons and things as well, but I think the big thing you just mentioned there is that you're helping the parents out, you're giving them the tools and you're keeping them in the loop because I think the biggest issue, and I know a lot of teachers will say to me that, it feels like we're running a losing battle because we'll try all these amazing things at school, but then they go home and you've got no support. So have you found by introducing the parent side of things and helping them out that it's had a big impact? Look, I, I'd love to say yes, but it's more from my own dreaming and desire. Yes. I think, um, you know, I'd like to be, I'm a bit of a realist. I think how do we measure that? Um, we do run parent focus groups to come in and there's invitations for them to come and be part of a wellbeing day during the time that we're in a school. We do know that there are parents that, you know, most of the time as our teachers, they're very time poor. So the problem, one of the problems that we are trying to solve with technology is how do we provide access for parents to easily get them at their fingertips activities and things that they can do in their incredibly busy life, bringing up children, paying mortgages and those kind of things. So our data is not clear and it's not clean. Um, but my, you know, my, the, the girl who sees the world with pink colored glasses goes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I can imagine like an, in an ideal world, you'd say, yes, it's amazing and it works fantastic, but that's just not reality, is it? No, it's not. And I, these are all the kind of things at the moment that we're looking at. How do we measure this? How, you know, how do we know, um, how do we find out what parents really need? How do we find out what teachers really need? How do we support not only the individuals but communities at large? So it's very much an issue that we deal with pretty much on a daily basis at the moment. Yeah, and, and, and it'll be one that will continue on, no doubt. I'm sure the harder you try, it'll be like the 17 years it's taken to build up your amazing <laughs> company. It might, it might even take longer to figure that out, unfortunately. I, 
I think you're probably right. I don't think, and I think it's something that globally we're all trying to, you know, we, I just read some incredible survey and studies that are happening around the globe, and I think we're all trying to ask the same question, and uh, it's time, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I don't know if there's an answer, but one of the things you just mentioned, and, and I use this word all the time, and um, I absolutely love it, is play. Now, what is your definition of play? Because I know people have different views on it and I've, and I've interviewed about five or six different people on the podcast now that have spoken about this topic. And the main reason, before I get sidetracked, is I just think <laughs> as adults we forget to play. You know, you just said we've got mortgages, we've got home loans, we've got kids, we've got jobs, life takes over and then you don't actually allow yourself to play. But we're telling kids every day to play. You know, we're, we're encouraging that but we're like hypocrites because we don't allow ourselves to do that. So... How would you describe play, Nikki, and what is play to you? Um, and is that for me in terms of a context of teaching with the students or is that in terms of me playing? Maybe maybe <laughs> a little bit of both because, like, I know I've got a couple of things that I do on play or share before that people be like, wow, that's a little bit different, but I find it very enjoyable. Mm, no. I, so I'll speak to us first, and it's interesting because I actually have a very strong culture in our workplace and also in my home life. Um, for me, it's actually about letting go of the structure of um, that adult brain. We have a joke that we're actually all kiddolts um, in our office, that we should be remembering the fun nature of what we're doing and engaging with whatever we are doing, um, letting go of having to have everything being able to bring an element of fun and engagement um, and looking at it through the eyes of a child rather than the brain of an adult. We do. In my own personal life, we we have – I should be sharing this on the spot. <laughs> I just go, go for it, Nikki. No, okay, that's I'll just between me and you and, and the and hundreds of teachers that listen around the world. <laughs> so we have – if things are getting a bit escalated and we're working a bit hard, we get to choose a song in the office. Everyone has to stand up and do an improv dance. Yes, I love that. <laughs> And if we're having problems trying to communicate an issue, we have to use improv dance to try and communicate it. <laughs> I'm oh. going to be, my staff are going to be rolling their eyes at me going, <laughs> the world actually really will be looking at you going, you know, we do do this. They'll probably uh, be a little bit jealous, to be honest, because I think deep down, if you break down those boundaries and allow your staff to do that, you know, I think that's amazing, even though they may be a little bit embarrassed, oh, we actually do that. I can guarantee your work relationships with everyone in the office would be amazing. Well, I think it's really quite interesting because, you know, as, as you would and as many people would, one of the interesting things that I find with teaching in school communities is it's such an isolating job. You know, you're there with your students in front of you, you're racing maybe to the staff room or maybe not, and there's not a lot of communication. And there's not a lot of um, time to really just let go. And what we've found sometimes is that ability, we're working with children. We need to remember what it is like to have fun, to laugh, to giggle. Yes, we have very big, you know, we have a huge amount of work in front of us. But if we're not enjoying it and remembering what we're doing, so I'm always the first to kind of put myself out there and do something very, very silly. And usually I'm also just looking for the endorphins to bring down my stress, to be honest, too, and having a laugh. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, and I, I'm very similar that I'll make myself look like a fool to get a laugh <laughs> at other people, and um, it not only does it, it sort of creates a, a really nice energy, and I think too often people are scared to do that, put themselves out there. I completely agree, and at the end of the day, I mean, if we, you know, when I think we work with children and there's some funny things that happen on a daily basis, and I, I wonder why sometimes, and I suppose this is a question I often think about, 
why we feel we can't bring that part of us to a wider community or to our teaching community or to our office because we're down on the ground, we're playing, we're telling stories. It's that creativity and that ability to play that brings passion. Yeah, and it's like sometimes that you sort of shut that off when you, the bell goes and you're like, oh, I'm going to shut that off now. I'm going to turn into a mute or I'm just going to not do anything. Whereas probably what you need to do is just embrace what you've actually done with the students and share that with your staff members. I completely agree. And I think one of the things that we've been talking a lot to schools about is also being able to bring that side of us that is a whole side of us that's not just that adult um, and that stressed part that's trying to get something done or running around and being able to be a little bit lighter, a little bit more positive in our behaviour and in our actions. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned before, I, I totally agree with that. And teachers out there today are time poor and the job is getting more and more stressful. And, you know, there's so many things that go with it that just aren't involved with the teaching. And I suppose one of the things I'm really passionate about is mindfulness. Now, for teachers out there, how would you describe mindfulness and um, maybe some things that you use in your workshops when you're doing your professional development with teachers on ways to be more mindful and be present in the moment? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm completely with you. I think it's um, breaking down, you know, what mindfulness is. To us, we break it down really, really simply to being present in this present moment to what's happening within and around us. So what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what's happening, what our triggers are, and being able to be present to the people in front of us. So... And it sounds like a really easy thing, but when you think that the mind actually wanders up to probably, you know, up to 43% of the day, um, being able to harness that energy to be able to be present and not only impact our own well-being, but also impact our student, um, the presence with our students. So some of the tips and techniques that we talk about is literally beginning to feel. So when we're standing there, I'll say to people, begin to become aware of your breath, noticing it. Noticing when the breath touches your nostrils. Some people find that their mind's really, really busy, so I'll say, okay, hold your hands. And as you hold your hands, begin to notice the sensations in your hands. Or a really, really simple technique that we we just call it the three, the sacred pause, the three conscious breaths. Literally put taking three slow, steady breaths and bringing the mind to rest. These things over time gradually begin to we come back quicker we ground ourselves quicker we're able to be right here in this present moment and impacting and we know all the studies are impacting that if we can be here not only are we creating more health for ourselves and well-being for ourselves but also for the students or people around us that's i think that's so powerful and, and three quick breaths in and out you get in that mind you get in the state where you need to be you don't need to sit down and do a 10 minute meditation and I think that's where people get a little bit lost and a bit scared that it is as simple as that isn't it it really is and I think breaking it down and you mentioned before Dale around teachers being time poor and and understandably so it's an incredibly complex job Um, and yet the reality is you know if we don't have that ability to let go of something that I have a house full of teenagers, so if I'm still yeah. thinking about, if I'm still thinking about, you know, my 16 year old chasing me down the road wanting more money for her afternoon thing, and I'm sitting there in a staff meeting, or I'm sitting there in front of my students, I'm not present. I'm going to be caught up. I'm, you know, we know that our thoughts affect our emotions, affect our behaviour. So where do we start? We can start right here, and it is really, really simple. You don't need to be sitting for 25 minutes a day. It can be literally using your senses, holding your hands, placing a hand on your chest, becoming aware of the breath. Or I often say to clients, even just saying to yourself, where am I? 
where am I? Am I, you know, am I here? What can I see? What can I hear? What can I feel? Um, and it's a really, really good practice to bring yourself back. That's, uh, and I suppose from where I come from, I get people engaged through energy and buzz and, and craziness. So just listening to your voice then, Nikki, I was like, wow, you've got a lovely voice. You probably could film some meditations or have you, have you done anything like that? Because I was sitting and going, wow, I'm in a trance. <laughs> And that's the, you know, thank you, Dave. That's really lovely. That's ironic because, yes, we are about to release, um, hopefully, you know, looking at how do we find out what teachers need and what are those short little snippets of meditations, of activities for well-being, not only for teachers but also students. And that is something that we're really wanting to find out more. And I am in the middle of um, not only filming um, but also doing audios and also animations as well. Wow. Yeah. And I can tell why you've got a fantastic voice. And I think from somebody who doesn't have a fantastic voice, I was, I was very engaged with what you were just talking about there. Now I'm going to skip ahead here. <laughs> so that was a compliment. I, wa- I wasn't putting myself down, Nikki. I was just moving on because uh, our voices are completely different. But um, next one, Nikki, I just wanted to cruise on and, and obviously you're full of amazing advice and you do this every day but do you have some just really simple little tips for uh, maybe teachers and parents out there on ways that they can not only help the students but help themselves because I think too often we put the students first and we never ever use it back on ourselves so as teachers we're too often preaching but we don't go and practice it so is there a couple little tips out there that you know are just proven winners that you go with? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just trying to think of my my top two that, you know, I think they need to be very small and they need to be, we also need to know that they're going to impact us because of, you know, being time poor. I don't know about anyone else, but I want to know they're going to work. Yeah, correct. Everybody (laughs) wants results. (laughs) We all want results. I think one of the things I used to um, present and lecture a lot on um, me time, and I think here to a, a large audience, I think the issue around me time is being completely debunked today because if we're going to have me time on Wednesday night or on Sunday morning, if things are happening moment by moment, we're impacting stress. So one of the, the biggest tips I say to people is literally get really interested in your reactions. So when I'm listening to you, if I begin to notice that I'm starting to um, escalate or have a large emotion, being able to notice it name it, take a couple of breaths and calm myself down rather than going and moving and moving. So that ability to notice when I've gone from naught to 100, if I can begin to train myself to stop myself at 25 or 50 and bring myself back down, that way I'm constantly aware of my nervous system in any given moment. Um, Getting to know yourself, like building, you know, we talk about self-awareness being the greatest tool that we have in leadership. What is triggering me? Beginning to notice what happens to my breath, what happens to my heart rate, what happens. I don't have to fix it, but we can begin to ground ourselves. So I might notice that I have an interaction with a parent where suddenly I can feel my tummy gets a little bit tight or my breathing is a bit sharp. Placing a hand on your chest, again, taking a couple of breaths, calming down and seeing if you can see that person in front of you, just like you and I, just like you and I, being really interested in who the human is and being able to calm down. And those two things are really lead ways to being able to manage ourselves, and also to begin to develop a more compassionate relationship with people around us as well. Fantastic. And I think that, as you said, they are really basic 
things, you know, and if you keep those on the back of your mind and when you're getting those situations in, because as teachers we always have those conversations or we have those encounters we know we're going to have that are uncomfortable or we're anxious about. So if you've got little tips that you can just draw on straight away, it'll obviously defuse the situation and after a while you just know how to deal with it a lot better. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the key there too is, you know, the relationships, like everything we do in teaching is about relationships. And I think just naming that the majority of us mere human beings on this planet, myself included, um, learning to have healthy relationships where I'm really, I have self-awareness around myself and I stay out of blame mode, I think is a really, really big key to mental health and also to well-being. Yeah, and it totally is. You know, life is all about relationships and it's about looking after them and not giving too much attention to one or not to the other. So um, I think that's a great tip and, and we all get in those situations we're not feeling comfortable with. So you can always draw back on uh, those amazing things Nikki's just said. Now, I want to bring back to what we spoke about before where you've just got this amazing new opportunity with Telstra. So um, mm. for teachers out there, can you explain uh, a little bit about what it is? And, and it is a massive project and it's I was really excited when you told me about it and as a teacher I want to get involved I want to be able to say look this is what I would like in this program is is there a way I can do that oh there is and we would be extremely grateful if yourself or anyone wants to be involved in that you can head on over at the moment we're building our channels to begin to have more communication which will be in a, a better platform we're really at the beginning stages of prototype at the moment at the moment the best way to get in contact with us is through our facebook page which is life skills group online we also have uh, a beautiful, amazing woman who's working with us who will be working as a communications sort of officer between teachers and schools and people like yourself, Dale, that her email address is marty, M-A-R-D-I, at lifeskillsgroup.com.au. We'd love to hear what do you need in your classroom or in your school? What issues are you facing that you don't feel that you have either the time or the training or the experience or that you would like support, not only for yourself but also for your students? On the Facebook page, we are going to start running polls and we will have some um, prototypes that people who are interested in being involved in um, will be able to send some out to you. Perfect, perfect. And I'll, I'll make sure I've got Marty's uh, email address on the show notes as well as a link to the Facebook page. So um, people listening, if you just go to our show notes at energetic.education forward slash podcast, this is episode number 49 and you'll see in the show notes as well as really glowing reference about Nikki and everything she's doing, you'll also see those links for you now. Um, Next question I've got for you, and I always have one of these for my guests. You know, I, I particularly love icebreakers and team building activities. I think they bring an amazing enjoyment to everybody that's actually participating in them. Do you have a icebreaker or team building activity? And yours might be a little bit different because of um, just from the way I've heard you talking and things like that. You may do it a different way than what I would or other guests. Do you have one that you would just go bang? You're sort of proven winner, and it always works. And would that be with teachers or with students? With with either. If you've just got one that uh, – well, may, maybe one with students because that way then teachers can go and use this and they're like, wow, that worked really well for students. Now where can I find more? And they may be able to, you know, go to Life Skills Group online or Facebook page or email Marty or, or things like that because they'll want to actually find out more. Absolutely. And I think you nailed it, Dale, when you were saying that we do things a little bit differently. Um 
I'll speak to the teachers first. Sorry, that's because what came to my mind first um, <laughs> as, okay. we're, as we're doing this improv on the you know, on the fly moment. Um, <laughs> I generally start with getting them to find, if we're in a staff meeting or an executive meeting, I get them to turn to a person and actually say their name and one thing they're passionate about. Um, and I think it's something that we we overlook and it, it begins to open up a different side because, as you mentioned earlier in the show, we're so good at taking care of everyone else, we forget to take care of ourselves. Um, and it's a lovely thing to begin to remember those things that are completely outside of teaching sometimes, that there is another side to us. With the students, we often, we're a little bit disruptive. We get them to tell them one thing that they really like about themselves. Um, and we often do that in um, pair, share, think, or beginning to work together because, again, we're often focusing on learning or doing and to stop and actually begin to bank the positive and remember that we've all got really things that we really like about ourselves. And sometimes I've had beautiful young students say, I really like my ears. <laughs> I think <laughs> Or, you know, beginning to I um, and just one more that I, I'd love to share, which was just so impactful at one of the um, one of the programs that I was running, getting them to articulate how they're feeling um, in a certain situation. And I had this beautiful young student one day say to me, I feel like a freshly cut orange. And I thought, <laughs> what a beautiful way to describe how you're feeling. <laughs> Oh, I think I think that's amazing, and and that activity where it's just one thing for the students to say that they like about themselves. Because mm. um, I know myself growing up and and then teaching and things like this that you're always told don't brag, don't talk about yourself, you know. Mm. And I think that is so wrong because mm. if you're not going to be positive about yourself or things that you love about yourself, nobody else will see that you that those things actually exist. You know, if, you, if you're so modest and stuff like that. So I think that activity is so simple, but it would be so powerful, Nikki. Yeah, absolutely. And they really enjoy it. I mean, it is confronting, but if you do it just one-on-one well, in pairs. Um, and again, like we started the show when you were talking to me about putting yourself out there first. Like I might share that, you know, I like um, my eyes. So yep. just getting them, and we also know from research too that we need to begin to really strengthen those positive neuropathways and to create new habits. You know, the brain, um, Dr. Rick Hansen talks about, the brain is like Velcro for the bad and Teflon for the good. Mm-hmm. Uh, begin yes. to change, I don't know, but to begin to change our habits, we need to start with beginning to recognise the good things. I, I totally agree, and, and I think it, it comes back to gratitude, you know, teaching students to be grateful for what they've got because a lot of time I don't think they actually are. They don't realise how fortunate we are in Australia to have everything we do, and it, it takes, and I know I wasn't as a kid, and it took me travelling all around the world to actually go, wow, how lucky am I to be gr- be brought up in this amazing country, have this amazing education and everything like that. I just don't think they realise that, and by practising such a simple thing early on, where they can talk about themselves, I think it's just a really powerful tool. Yeah, I completely agree. Now, Nikki, just to finish off, I I love, I was reading on your website and um, I've actually called today's episode Surviving to Thriving. I Mm -hmm. I love that. Can Can you just explain a little bit about that and how you've come about that to finish off today's topic? Yeah, absolutely. I think the majority of us humans, myself included at points in my life, are... You know, we move from one thing to the next and yet there's this incredible wealth of activity, energy, passion right here, right now in this moment if we begin to become aware of it and if we begin to move out of that 
surviving, just getting through the next thing, just getting the next thing. And what I've noticed, you know, 10 years ago, just very briefly, I had a moment where I was traveling the globe, presenting, building, you know, working with very large communities. And I got home one day and my husband said to me, Nikki, we've got a problem. And I was like, oh dear. And he said, you know, you're out there and you've got a voice for the voiceless. You're fighting for the children and the and teachers. And, you know, you're really trying to bring in well-being, but you're coming home and we're getting the dregs. And, <laughs> You know, I, I reluctantly share this story because there is still an element of pain in, in communicating that story. But the reality was it was true. And uh, there was not, you know, there was no amount of research or data that could actually impact that. I needed to start to change myself. Um, and that really changed the direction of my career and the work that I wanted to bring to the world was how do I begin to slow down and thrive in every single moment? So there's energy, I have passion, I have a relationship with myself and I got interested in filling my cup so I could begin to offer more to those around me and be more impactful in the world. Wow, that is, uh, I'm just sitting here and you've just described my last year in a nutshell where I was travelling around the world, I come back and I am so tired and worn out that I don't give myself to anybody besides other people. And then it's impacting every part of my life. And, well, that's, that is, did that take you a long time to actually figure that out and, like, unpack that? Like, I know, I know I'm just listening like going, I want to be there. I want that feeling. I want to be able to do that. How long, I know it's taken you 17 years to build the company, but how long did it take you to just realise all that and how to actually put it into place? I, I don't think that, you know, this is not one of those things where I still fall off the wagon in taking care of myself. Like yep. I want to be really, really honest here. Um, you know, I have moments, but my my crash and burn is not over a term now. It might be over a couple of days where I can begin to feel that my nervous system's getting agitated, I'm getting irritable, um, and it's much quicker. I'm actually really aware. So I'd probably say I've been working very heavily uh, for the last 10 years on really looking at those internal trainable skills of well-being in my own life. Um, and I think it's taken a good 10 years. Wow. Yeah. And, and, that's, and I think it's the same for teachers, you know, that um, we mentioned before. Like, and it's the same old excuse that there's not enough time in the day. And I think I always bring that back to that that's, that's an excuse. People are not allowing time or they're not valuing time to look after themselves, to go for a walk, to meditate, to be mindfulness, to do things that we tell our students to do. They're not putting that high enough in priority. So um, to hearing what you've just said about, you know, exerting yourself and at the end of the day not having enough for your, the ones that love you most, um, I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that. And I know I personally can. So, um, Nikki, I really value your time today. And thank you so much for everything you've shared. Um, everything that you've mentioned, I'll have in the show notes. And listeners out there, if you want to obviously check out more or how to get Life Skills Group involved in your school, because you can obviously tell by Nikki there, so super passionate and everything she's doing is like amazing. So, Nikki, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome and thank you. It was really, really lovely speaking to you and thank you for the work that you do. It's incredible.